2: Inside sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, billionaire investor and in Time Magazine person of the year, Elon Musk, got into a bit of a bitter Twitter battle over the weekend with Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Of course, she accused uh, the billionaire of not paying taxes and freeloading. He shot back in terms of what he does pay in taxes. So there's a lot of headlines there and a lot of hyperbole up there. But is there something more to learn beyond the headlines in terms of how the wealthy actually pay taxes and how they fund their lifestyle? Also, how government contributes to the wealthy and the well-connected. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, there is a a real Twitter, a bitter Twitter battle going on uh, between Elon Musk and uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. A little bit of name calling back and forth, uh, but I think there's much more to this that we can actually learn from as it relates both to the wealthy in the country and also how government often helps that. Uh, And helping us break all of that down is Liz Wolf. She's an associate editor at Reason Magazine. She's also formerly managing editor at The Federalist. Liz, Liz, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, You have dug beyond the headlines on this in terms of what's really going on between this uh, battle between uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk. Uh, Give us give us some perspective on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the really interesting things here is that Elizabeth Warren is basically, you know, calling the tax code rigged, which, A, she's a senator. She has the power to change that. And B, she's really claiming that he, he doesn't actually pay taxes at all which is just not true. I mean, this year, his tax burden will be somewhere between 9 and $11 billion. That's not an insignificant chunk of cash. And given how we know uh, rich people hold on to their money, this requires him liquidating a lot of stocks. That is going to have huge economic ramifications for so many other people who are invested in Tesla. So I think it's a little bit silly to act like he just has all of this liquid cash sitting around. She very well knows that that's not true, and that's not how it works with the ultra-wealthy.
2: Yeah, and that, and that is such an interesting thing that it is easy to just, you know, sit back and poke at, at the wealthy. But there is some strategy that goes on in there, and most of it is contained within that tax code uh, that, as you rightly pointed out, the senator could, could do something to change.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, like so many founders and CEOs, they don't take traditional salaries. They don't get paid the way you or I do. They're paid via a mix of stock options. Uh, a lot of their money comes from capital gains. There's interest and dividends and business income. Their tax situation is very complicated, and their ways of of generating wealth are very different than how the rest of us do it. So I do think, you know, Elizabeth Warren is seemingly being a little bit intentionally dense because she knows that this is how it works, and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I do also think it's kind of rich for her to accuse him of not paying anything in taxes when last year we had 61 percent of the American public, of adult Americans, who actually didn't pay any taxes. And I do think there, there's a useful caveat there, which is that, you know, many people took advantage of various pandemic-related benefits. Many people were unemployed. You know, we were in sort of economic disarray. It was a little bit anomalous. But that number isn't super far off from years prior, where it typically hovers around 40 to 47%. Mm.
2: Yeah, one of the things that you've noted in your in your writing, Liz, is that uh, – or the, actually this is from the Tax Foundation, I think, that you had noted uh, – that the top 25% of taxpayers paid about 87% of the total in terms of what came in in federal income tax.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the top 1% uh, pay roughly 40% of our total federal income taxes. It's really kind of wild. And I think this is something, you know, people lose sight of this. And I think it's easy to have the talking points of saying, you know, oh, there's too many ultra rich people in this country. You know, people have a lot of uh, concerns. But I do think a lot of people lose sight of just how our tax brackets look and what percentage is paid by what percentage of earners.
2: Yeah, I've been uh, dying to ask you this, Liz. Uh, Of course, part of the uh, Build Back Better Act, which, we, which we're which we going to get into Joe Manchin Monday uh, here in a minute on the program. Uh, but of course, one of the <laughs> elements in there was this state and local tax uh, credit, which clearly benefited the wealthy uh, in a lot of blue states. Uh, how do you see that playing out? And a little bit of hypocrisy there in terms of what's coming out of Washington, D.C., in terms of having the wealthy pay their fair share, nice bumper sticker, uh, often on the campaign slogans, uh, but how does that actually play out and what does it actually mean that they that there was a snag and some disagreement even amongst Democrats in terms of what that actually should be?
1: Well, I mean, salt deductions, like you bring up, are, you know, a great example of all of this and something that really does affect uh, a significant chunk of the American public. I do think it is uh, and I'm not going to let Republicans off the hook. I think they yes. have plenty of hypocrisy to go around. <laughs> sure. But I do think this is an area where there's a lot of Democrat hypocrisy on this front where you see senators like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and, you know, young, scrappy, upstart representatives like AOC, who are basically, you know, having this big sort of eat the rich mentality and basically saying, hey, we need our tax code to treat these people differently. We need to see some of their wealth and redistribute it. And I think the thing that, you know, is sort of missed here is that Democrats are constantly in the form of salt deductions and other, you know, actual policy tweaks to the tax code making it so a lot of the working rich, you know, pretty well-off doctors and lawyers in big cities are actually able to, to live pretty well uh, and not pay as much in taxes. So since those are some of their key constituents, they're not really willing to actually tweak the tax code in a way that would, uh, you know, allow the government to collect more money from them. So I think it's kind of interesting. It's easy for them to talk about the top 1 percent or the tippy top, you know, as Elizabeth Warren puts it. But it's a lot harder for them to actually take action on a bigger slice of sort of the working rich because they know that those are some of their big donors and voters.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we are always equal opportunity offenders on this program. So we <laughs> we will call out the Republicans and the Democrats uh, wherever we need to. Uh, and, and it's interesting, too, uh, I think even within that, uh, and kind of an interesting flip on all of this, it's been interesting to note that Elon Musk has – Uh, really come out strongly lately and saying, hey, we need to get rid of subsidies and we need to get rid of all of this corporate welfare. Uh, And of course, he's benefited from a lot of that uh, over the years in terms of subsidies and uh, tax breaks and so on with uh, a lot of his uh, programs and businesses. Uh, How does that factor into all of this? Again, kind of this wealthy and well-connected seem to be able to to, uh, use that ladder to get up uh, of government, but then kind of pull it up behind them once they're there.
1: So oh, I totally agree. I think that's a very fair criticism. It's it's been kind of interesting as we've seen electric vehicle subsidies be sort of a part of the debate around you know the Build Back Better and the infrastructure bill. You know I mean Elon Musk has been one of the primary manufacturers of electric vehicles. Tesla uh, produces I think two thirds of them in the U.S. right now, but you know they were taking advantage of the old electric vehicle subsidies that were on the books, seventy five hundred dollars um, you know per per vehicle. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting is now, you know, they're proposing to up it to 12,500 and to only have that apply to electric vehicles that are made in, you know, union shops. Okay, well, Tesla isn't unionized. So one of the things that we do have to consider to be, you know, appropriately skeptical of Elon Musk is that, you know, maybe one of the reasons why he opposes this is because he can't personally benefit from this. And this could give his competitors, you know, a little bit more of an upper hand. At the same time, though, I do think it is kind of interesting. You know, he had comments to The Wall Street Journal, you know, two weeks ago uh, where he was basically saying, hey, look, government isn't a great allocator of capital. Uh, You know, they historically they take a lot of our money, but then they run up a huge national debt. We should be concerned about what they do, and we should probably be be doling out less uh, corporate welfare than we have been in the past. So I, I want to believe the best while still remaining a little bit skeptical because he has been the beneficiary of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just as we round this all out, uh, Liz, as as this battle goes on and it will continue to go on, is it moving the needle anywhere uh, with the American people? Either is what Elon Musk saying uh, resonating and people saying, oh, maybe that is it, or, or is Elizabeth Warren gaining any traction in terms of uh, let's go after the rich?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, Elon Musk is talking sense, especially when he says stuff about the national debt. Look, I think people very fundamentally, because normal, everyday Americans are used to balancing their own budgets, I think they look at what's happening with the amount of government spending that we've currently grown accustomed to, and they think, hmm, this might not be sustainable in the long run, and we don't want to mortgage our children's and grandchildren's futures. So I think a lot of American people, you know, are pretty smart, pretty hardworking, and are sort of waking up to the fact that this is just not a sustainable long-term fiscal strategy. And it's good for Elon Musk, somebody who's very, very, you know, wealthy and powerful, to remind them of that and basically say, hey, this amount of government debt, uh, you know, created by people like Elizabeth Warren, who are then spending their time feuding on Twitter, that's not a sustainable or appropriate thing for us to do.
2: Yeah, great insight. Liz Wolfson, associate editor at Reason Magazine. Uh, Great writer, great insight. Uh, Liz, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, so I think there's some really interesting things in there as you get past the headlines. Again, that's what we always have to do: is not just not just the head headline, not just the Twitter battle. Uh, dig into it. What does it actually mean? And what is actually going on? And as it comes to paying taxes, it looks like Elon Musk will pay somewhere between nine and eleven billion with a B dollars in taxes for the year. Uh, that's a pretty big chunk of change. And uh, what does that really mean? And how many of these government programs, and if we're going to have them, are they the right ones? Do we have transparency so there's no waste, fraud, and abuse? How do we pay for it? How do we sustain it? How do we move it forward? Those are all things we've got to get to, and you can't do that in a Twitter battle or a bumper sticker. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL
0: News Radio.